Malachi chapter number 3, and as you're turning there, I'd like to preach this morning on, uh, on something that is stable. Something that is stable. I, the Lord laid this verse on my heart uh, early last week, and, and, uh, and I was just thinking about it all week long. And uh, over the past two years, over the course of the past two years, we have all witnessed more change than most of us have experienced in our entire life. That's true. Uh, there is a lot of change that has taken place in the past two years. Uh, we've been introduced to a new way of life many times and less exposure to people and confinement to our houses and a fear that has gripped many like never before. Depression and loneliness have caused many people uh, to turn to drugs and alcohol to try and escape the reality of life. That's true. Uh, in the past two years, it's been worse. Drug and alcohol abuse, overdose, and suicide have skyrocketed as people try to cope with all the changes of the new normal. And uh, boy, there's a lot of truth to that. And, and granted, as Christians, uh, we cope much better because we hold with uh, uh, the Word of God and, and we have something that's staple to hold on to, or stable, rather, that's to hold on to. But even good Christian people have been affected by all the change and the struggle to adapt to the crazy world we live in. Change has touched every part of our life. Churches around the world have been adversely affected by the change that has been introduced. Not just our church. I'm talking about churches, not just churches in America, but churches all around the world have been affected by all this change. Church attendance has dropped in almost every church, and the work of God has been hindered as uh, in assembling, prayer, worship, ministry, and outreach have all been reduced, limited, or cut out completely in many churches. And our church is really no exception to that. Uh, this is where we're at. This is what's going on in our society. And you say, man, that's, that's pretty uh, discouraging. Well, yeah, it is, but, but hold on, it gets better, okay? Uh, praise the Lord. We don't have to hold on to all of that, but that's just the sad reality of what has taken place over the past couple of years. And in all the change and in all the craziness of this world, there is someone you can grab hold of that isn't going to change. Someone who is not surprised by all this and has everything under control. Someone that is not swayed by CNN, Fox News, uh, Newsmax, ABC, NBC, okay? God's not busy flipping channels through the news channels trying to figure out what's going on in the world. He already knows what's going on in the world. And listen, the, God doesn't answer to the FBI, to CIA, to Congress, or to the President of the United States. God doesn't answer to uh, the Russians or North Korea. Uh, God is supreme, and He doesn't answer to anyone. He's very aware what's going on. In Malachi chapter number 3, in verse number 6, the Bible says this, For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. We need to fix our anchor 
in Jesus Christ. We need to fix our anchor in God because He is a rock that is not going to be moved. And it's easy to get distracted when the storms of life are billowing all around you as they have been for almost two years now. Uh, it's easy to get our eyes off of the Lord and get our eyes onto the storm and be distracted by everything that's going on. But I would remind you this morning that the Bible says, I am the Lord, I change not. I want us to think about that for the next few moments this morning as we think about uh, the God that does not change and all of the change that has taken place, but there is something stable that we can grab onto. Before we get into our message, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you that you change not. God, we thank you that we can, we can go to you at any time in our life, in any difficult circumstance, in any struggle that is going on. And God, we can know that you are the rock that is stable, that's not going to move, that's not going to be surprised, that's not going to shift, that's not going to change, but that you are unchanging and that you are God. God, I pray that you would help us as Christians, help us as people to latch hold of you. And God, when everything around us is changing, to know that we have a hold of someone that's not going to change and something and someone that's going to be constant throughout the entire storm. God, I pray that you'd help us to lift our eyes to you this morning and to see your unchanging stability. And God, will thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we look at this verse, the Bible says again in Malachi 3, 6, For I am the Lord. Those first few, verses, few words right there uh, speak uh, to, to something that I believe is one of the things that will not change. He said, of course, I change not. And some of the things about God that do not change, the first thing that we can see is God's supremacy. That, hey, he said here in verse number 6, I am the Lord. In your King James Bible, you'll notice that that is capital L, capital O, capital R, and capital D. And you'll say, well, why is that? The reason that is, is because that stands uh, for God Almighty. That is his name. Sometimes it's a capital L and a little O-R-D, uh, but in this case, it is speaking of God Almighty. You know that phrase uh, or that word is used over 5,000 times in the Old Testament. And it speaks to the supremacy of who God is. Uh, the, the word Lord means master, a person possessing supreme power and authority, a ruler, a governor. And let me tell you something this morning. Listen, in all the change that takes place, and even in the government that would change from here to there, or in, the, in all the shifting things that are, are changing from this side to that side, and all of that that is going on, hey, God still reigns supreme and he is still Lord of all things you go all the way back to the beginning of the Bible and you'll find out right in the very beginning the Bible says in Genesis 1 1 in the beginning God hey it doesn't give you an explanation of where he came from because he always is he didn't start out somewhere. He always has been. We have a hard time understanding that because, hey, we have a birth point. You and I, we can say, man, I know when I came into this world. 
I know where I started, but God never started. He always was in the past. And the Bible doesn't try to defend it. It just states it as a statement of fact. In the beginning, God. And God was there in the beginning. And listen, God is superior because He is the creator of everything that exists. The Bible says in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. What a phenomenal verse. Just, just in Genesis 1.1. Listen, all of society and schools, they're all pushing that, well, there was an evolution and that there was a big old explosion and this and that. And you say, well, what do you believe, preacher? Well, I believe what the Bible says. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. That's what I believe. That God created it all. It wasn't some accidental explosion. It wasn't something that took place in a scientific phenomena. Uh, it was something that was deliberate that God set up in the very beginning of time because God uh, is all supreme. And listen, if He created everything that is, man, what an awesome God we serve. I walk around, I love nature, I love to go hiking, I love to be out in the wild, I love to see things, and I love to see critters, and I remember uh, many times just out hiking and, and admiring God's creation, and I just love all of that stuff, and I remember one time I was hiking, it was years ago, and, and I saw this little tiny beetle, and I looked at it, and it caught my eye because the color was, it, it was like a metallic shiny color. And I looked at that thing, and I was just looking at its color, and I'm like, man, what an incredible God we serve that, that would make a little tiny creature that's like this metallic, shiny color. And, and you thought Crayola invented all those colors. They just copied them from God. They just went out and found them all and, and mimicked them all. I'm just saying that, hey, he created the very little bugs that crawl on the ground. He created the largest of creatures. I'm fascinated with documentaries on, on nature and, and whales and sharks. They just kind of interest me because they're big. They're bigger than me. And, uh, and I'm kind of intimidated by them, to be honest with you. But you think about God made the little creatures. He made the little bugs. He made the atoms that are in you and I. He made the cells that make up our body. And then he made these giant creatures uh, that, that are big. And he made all the planets and everything that is here and the planets that are out there and, and the solar system. And, and he just the Bible says that he hung the stars in space. And I would just remind you that God is supreme because he is the creator of all that exists on this world. Listen, he's not only supreme because of his creation, he's supreme uh, over sin as well. We just got through celebrating Christmas, and I love Christmas time, and, and, uh, and I love the I, I love to be reminded of the fact that Jesus Christ came to this earth and took on the form of human. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 123, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. There's nothing more impressive to me than the all-supreme, all-powerful God taking on the form of human man. That just impresses me, that he would do that. But it gets better than that. Because the Bible goes on and it says in, in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15, For we have not a high priest that cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. That amazes me. 
we can't hardly understand that because we are, we are sinful creatures by nature. We were born with a sin nature. We were born with the inclination to lie and to, uh, to be selfish and to, uh, to sin and, and have all of that in our, in, our, in our who we are. But listen, Jesus Christ came in the form of flesh. He didn't have a sin nature. Matter of fact, the devil tried to attack him and threw all kinds of temptations his way. Matthew chapter 4 gives us at least the three temptations that we read about, I have reason to believe that there was probably more uh, that was not given to us that he was tempted, but we have at least three that he was tempted with. And listen, he's supreme because he overcame sin. And he conquered every one of those temptations. The devil was hurling uh, temptations at Jesus Christ, but he overcome every one of them. Uh, he thought he could trap him. He thought he could persuade him. He thought he could make him fall and make him fail. But Jesus Christ reigned supreme over that sin. Hey, it gets better than that because he went to the cross. You say, well, why did he go to the cross? Because he loved you and I. He took our place. He took our penalty for sin. He died on the cross. I love that song. I, I, I'm sure you've heard it probably sometime in your life where it's kind of a dialogue of, of Satan uh, having Jesus trapped in the tomb and, and the dialogue goes, uh, do you still have them? And death says, yeah, I've still got them. And, and, and the second day, and, and death says, do you still got them? And, and death says, yeah, I've still got them trapped in here in the grave. And, and the third day, uh, Satan comes and asks death, do you still got them in the grave? And, and death says, well, something happened. And he got away. And listen, Jesus Christ rose victoriously over the grave. And he's supreme, not just because he created all that is, but he came here and he lived on the world just like you and I and he was tempted like you and I but he did not sin then he died and he went to the grave but the Bible tells us that he rose again from the grave and he's victorious over death hell and the grave the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15 and 5 it says oh death where is thy sting oh grave where is thy victory the sting of death is sin the strength of sin is the law but thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm just saying, He's supreme because He reigned in this lifetime far better than you and I could have. We fail, but he's, He was victorious over sin. He was victorious over the grave. And he's alive today, sitting on the right hand of the throne of the Father because he is victorious, because he is supreme. And in Malachi 3, 6, he says, I am the Lord. Listen, he's supreme over everything. Listen, many people, they, they rebel against the supremacy of God. They say, I don't, he, I don't want him. You, you, the whole idea of evolution is to kick off the authority of God and say, I am my own person. And say, there's nobody over top of me. That's the whole idea of evolution. It's not, they want to they guise it in science. It's not science. It's a belief system. They choose to believe that there is no God. We choose to believe, as the Bible says, that there is a God. 
And there's a difference there. They want to they push off God. They don't want an authority over them. They don't want anybody that is all-powerful, that is supreme. They don't want that over top of them. And so man is constantly trying to get out from under the authority of God. But God's authority is proven over and over in Scripture. And the Bible says in Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 10 that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And I'm just saying, God is supreme in creation. God is supreme in overcoming sin in this life. God is supreme in overcoming death, hell, and the grave and rising victoriously. And then listen, even though man does not want to admit it, and many an atheist and many a person who has denied God and said, hey, there is no God, has died and gone to hell, the Bible says that even things that are under this earth, someday they're going to bow the knee. Why? Because God is supreme over all things. And you can mark it down, this world to go this way, this world to go that way, but I'm telling you there is a God in heaven that will reign supreme for all eternity. That's who I want to latch hold of. Because He's supreme in His supremacy. He is the top. There's nothing higher than God. We find that He is supreme. He declares that in Malachi 3, 6, For I am the Lord. He says, I'm supreme. Not only is God's supremacy not changing, it's not going to be uh, cast down. He is all-powerful, and He will last for all of eternity. But I want you to notice as well this. Look with me in Malachi chapter 3 and verse number 5. Go to the, the verse just prior to what we read. The Bible says, and I will come near to you to judgment. And I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers and against the adulterers and against the false swearers and against those that oppress the hireling in his wages, the widow and the fatherless, and that turn aside the stranger from his right. And fear, me, and fear not me, saith the Lord of hosts. Not only is God's supremacy not going to change, but He will always be supreme because He is supreme. But I want you to notice as well, in verse number 5, we notice as well that God's standard of righteousness is not going to change. God's standard of righteousness is not going to change. What do you mean by that? I mean that, listen, in 2022, sin is still sin. God wrote it down. And he wrote it down for a reason that we would be very aware of what was sin and what is sin. You could go back to Genesis and you could find sins that were written in the Bible. And listen, they were sin in the book of Genesis uh, some 6,000 years ago. And they're still sin today in 2022. Why? Because God's standard of righteousness has not changed. And it won't change. Man is constantly, uh, one of the things, I, I read over the book of Malachi several times, and as I was reading it, one of the things you notice in the book of Malachi, we don't have time to, to go into all of the book, but there's some good content in there, is that man, uh, God gave man his, his, uh, his rules and regulations. He said, this is what I want you to do. 
And so man started worshiping God, and, and at first he adhered to all the things that God had told him to do, and, and they, were, they were bringing the sacrifice, and they were doing all the things that they were supposed to do. But as you read through the book of Malachi, one of the indictments that God brings to the, to the, uh, to the nation of Israel is that, listen, he said, you, you started out bringing sacrifices and doing what was right. And their sacrifice was to be perfect. It was to be whole. They were to look at the lamb before they were to bring it to the, to the temple. And they were not to offer a sacrifice that was blemished. They were not to offer a lamb that was sickly. They were not to offer a lamb that had problems. They were to offer a lamb that was perfect because it represented Jesus Christ. It was a picture forward of the salvation that was to come that was through Jesus Christ. What happened in the nation of Israel as time went on... Uh, they started overlooking some things. They'd bring a lamb and it would have a little blemish. They'd let that slide. They'd bring a lamb and, and it would be sickly and they'd let that slide. And it got all the way down to the fact that in, in the book of Malachi, he brings it out and he says, you're bringing sacrifices that are blind to me. They'd go through their flocks. And they'd say, well, this, is, man, this, this, this lamb's not going to serve me very well. We'll give that to God. This will be the sacrifice that I'll take in. This is the thing that we'll give. Because, man, I don't want to get rid of my good sheep. I mean, they're reproducing. They're going to they're gonna do well for me. And, and so they would start to skimp on their sacrifices. And they would bring stuff that was not right to the, to the, uh, to the temple of God to offer it to God. And, and what happened was the standard of righteousness got degraded with time. And God is calling them to a remembrance and saying, Listen, hey, that is not right. That is not what I set forth. I set forth a high bar of standard. And I expect you to continually complete, uh, complete what I have said to do. And they started changing what God said to do. Look with me in, in Malachi chapter number 2 in verse number 17. He says this, Ye have wearied the Lord with your words. Yet ye say, wherein have we worried him, wearied him? When ye say, everyone that doeth evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delighteth in them, where is the God of judgment? They had degraded the things that they were supposed to be holy to God and said, oh, it's okay, it'll be okay. And God is reminding them in verse number 5 in Malachi 3, and he says, I will come near to you to judgment, and I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers and against the adulterers, and against false swearers, and against those that oppose the hireling in his wages, the widow and the fatherless, and that turn aside the stranger from his right. And fear not me, saith the Lord of hosts. Listen, God's standard of righteousness does not change. Man's constantly trying to pull it and say, well, you know, it was, it'll, it'll be okay. God will accept it. It'll be, it'll be, no, no, God, God is still painting sin. Look at the list. Let's just go through this list. I, I don't want to spend a lot of time on it, but I feel it's necessary. The things that are listed here, it's kind of uh, interesting to see what's listed there. He says sorcery. Witchcraft is real. And it still exists today. And it's sin. 
You say, what's witchcraft? You remember when uh, the nation of Israel was in bondage in Egypt and God sent all those plagues on the Egyptians and, uh, and when he did, the first few times, you'll remember, the, the wizards or the sorcerers uh, of Egypt did the same thing that God had done. But eventually, they weren't able to mimic them. Why? Because they didn't have the same power that God has. They didn't have the same supremacy that God has. But then nonetheless, they were mimicking. And so I'm just telling you, there are powers in this world uh, that do exist and they are out there. And God marks it down and he says, hey, this is sin. He goes on the next one, adultery, which is sexual relations with someone that you're not married to. Listen, it was sin back in Bible times. It's still sin today. The Bible's very clear about that. It talks about that. He goes on and he says, false swearers. Now, what does that mean? Um, it's not cuss words, okay? Uh, many times you see swear and you think, well, that must be cuss words. No, swearing would be uh, to, to definitively say, hey, this is the gospel truth, but you're lying through your teeth. Like a judge would swear you in before you testify on a stand. Uh, that's the idea there. And he's saying, hey, those who would give, uh, those who would bear false witness. And the Bible says in Zechariah 8, 17, and you can mark that down. Zechari well, we're right there. Why don't you just go back a couple pages. Save your spot in Malachi. Zechari Zechariah chapter number 8 and verse 17. The Bible says this, Zechariah 8, 17. And let none of you imagine evil in your hearts against his neighbor. And love no false oath for all these things that, for all these are things that I hate, saith the Lord. God's never been again, never been for falsifying and degrading other people. You'll find that throughout Scripture. Hey, listen, it's still true today in 2022. God is against uh, people that would bear false witness or, or, or swear that something is right and it's wrong and they're lying through their teeth. Basically, that's lying. And we find that that's true, that God is against it. It's still sin. Look at the next thing he says. It's oppress the hireling. Those that would take advantage of other people. Uh, listen, that's still sin in 2022. It takes place, yes, but it's still sin and God's still against it. And he goes on and he further mentions the widows and the orphans. God's got a special place for widows and orphans and he is against people that would take advantage of them and try and uh, rob from them or steal from them or take advantage of them. And I'm just saying he listed it and he's cl very clearly laid out that, hey, that's sin. You go back in verse number five uh, and uh, after the widows and the orphans, he says this, and that turn aside the stranger from his right. I believe that's talking about cheating strangers. Well, I don't know him, so be okay if I rip him off. No, that doesn't make it any more right. It's still sin. And the God's standard for sin has been set in the Word of God, and it's not going to change. I love that he finishes it out here with this, And fear not me, saith the Lord of hosts. Boy, that's where everyone gets nailed down to the floor. And he says, so many people depart from God's word. They say, well, it, it'll be okay if we do this. 
it'll be okay if we, we God, God understands and, and he'll allow this. And, and listen, we put so many words into God's mouth. Why don't we just go back and see? He wrote it all down for us so we understand what is sin and what is not sin and what's wrong and what is not wrong. And by the way, uh, the word of God is a perfect word. That's another thing that's not going to change. The Bible says in Proverbs 35, every word of God is pure. He is a shield to them that put their trust in him. Listen, we don't need a, a new word of God because he's not going to change. Matter of fact, he said, uh, cursed are those that add to the word of God or take away from the word of God. We don't need a more modern Bible. We need to read and understand the word of God that we have because God's word is not going to change because God's standard for what's right and what's wrong is not going to change. We need to follow what God has set forth in his word. God is supreme. That's not going to change. God's standard of righteousness still stands today because he wrote it down for us. And that's not going to change. Uh, sometimes we think, well, it's new. And, and listen, that just means we have access to sin in a higher level, on a faster level. But it doesn't make it right. And God's word, God's standard is not going to change. Lastly, I love this part. Look at it in verse 6. He says, For I am the Lord, I change not. He goes on and he says, Therefore, because of the fact that he does not change, therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Not only is God's supremacy not going to change, I am the Lord. God's standard for sin uh, in verse 5 is not going to change. He wrote it down for us so that we would know. But I want you to notice that God's salvation is not going to change. There's no new way of salvation. He says here in verse number 6, Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. The sons of Jacob is not used very often, but it certainly refers to the redeemed of Israel, the, those who were saved in the nation of Israel. Psalm chapter 77 and verse number 15, you can mark it down, Psalm 77, 15. The Bible says, Thou hast with thine arm redeemed thy people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph. Selah. And he's referring to the sons of Jacob as those who had followed God in their life and, and, and uh, believed God. Just as the Bible says, Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. The Old Testament sacrifices did not save uh, the Old Testament saints. It was their, their, their faith was not in that sacrifice, but it was looking forward to the coming of the Savior, Jesus Christ, who would come to the world and die on the cross for their sins and take away their sins. Listen, salvation is not changed. The Bible is very clear that they were redeemed. Redeemed means to be bought back. Have you ever, I told a story years ago about... Uh, um, <clears throat> a little boy in his sailboat. 
He had his sailboat and, and he'd put it on the, on the lake and he would sail it and he'd have his string. It wasn't motorized, it was just sails. And, and he'd have his string and he'd pull it back in. And one day he set that sailboat uh, that he had, he had built and, and he had painted and he put the sails up and he loved that little thing. And, 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 he, and he put it out there and, and as it went out, the string broke. And that sailboat just sailed away. And he ran down the shore as far as he could, but he eventually lost that sailboat. And it was gone. He couldn't find it any longer. It went out of sight, and later, maybe a year or two down the road, the boy was in a pawn shop, and he's seen his sailboat that he built with his own hands, that he painted in that pawn shop. And he said, Mr., that's, that's my sailboat. And the fellow said, well, I'm sorry, son, but it's here and you can buy it if you'd like. And he said, no, no, you don't understand. I made that sailboat. I painted that sailboat. I built it with my own hands. He said, well, I'm sorry, son, but somebody came in and gave it to me and I gave them cash and, and I can't give you that sailboat, but if you'd like, I will sell you that sailboat. The young man was upset and he left the store and he didn't have any money and he had to go out and earn money and he went out and worked and, and found uh, jobs that he could do so he could get the money and, and he went back in when he had all the money and he said, here's the money, I want my sailboat. And he paid for his own sailboat so that he could get it back. That's redeemed. We were God's creation. We were lost because of sin. And God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross of Calvary to pay for our sins, to redeem us, that we could be saved, and to buy us back. That's redemption. Listen, sin's penalty is... is Worldwide, it's everyone. The Bible says, for all have sinned. And, and the Bible goes on and it says, for the wages of sin is death. Sometimes we wonder, well, what's that death? Well, the Bible says in Revelation 21.8, and I, I was reading this verse, and it corresponded with Malachi 3.5. It's interesting that almost the same things are, are mentioned in Revelation 28, but the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Because God's standard of sin has not changed. And what's sin then is sin today and will be sin in the future. And God's got a penalty for sin. But listen, Jesus paid that price on the cross of Calvary. And He died on the cross so that you and I could be saved and we could be born again. We do that simply by, the Bible says, trusting, putting our faith in Jesus Christ for salvation. Not trusting in Anchor Baptist Church for salvation. Not trusting in baptism for salvation. Not trusting in religion for salvation. But trusting in Jesus Christ and Him alone because He is the only one that can save. He is the only one that can change your life. He is the only one that can change anybody's life. Nobody can be saved by a religion. Nobody can be saved by being baptized. Nobody can be saved by doing good works because the way of salvation is only through Jesus Christ and that does not change. He says, I am the Lord. I change not. Therefore, 
ye sons of Jacob, are not consumed. Why? Because of salvation. Hey, praise the Lord that we have salvation through Jesus Christ as our own personal Savior. But listen, if you don't have salvation, you can have it today. But as we think about it, the majority of the world, the majority of the people that are lost, the majority of the people that are lonely, that are depressed, that are, uh, that are, are trying to drown their sorrows in, in drugs and alcohol and, and everything else, they don't have a Savior. They don't have anything that doesn't change to grab a hold of in their life. That's why they're struggling so bad with all the change that has taken place. That's why people are, are so discouraged and depressed and, 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 and lonely in this world because they don't have a constant. They don't have God. And they need God in their lives. We have God. And we can give them God. And we can tell them, hey, there is something that's not going to change. God, He's supreme over everything. He's supreme over sin. He's superior over death, hell, and the grave. He's greater than everything. He has a standard that's not going to change. He's got salvation, a way that you can be born again as well. So we stand to our feet with every head bowed and every eye closed. Something that we can hold on to this world is a crazy place. It's a place of constant change. But we have Jesus, we have God, that won't change, that will always be the same. Father, I pray you would help us to proclaim Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. God, there's so many people that are without you. They're lost. They need hope in their life. They need salvation. They need something that's not going to change. God, I pray that you'd help us to be a, a witness to those that are lost and without you. May we point people to you as a stable rock of salvation. God, I pray that you would just bless each and every person that's here. May we be grateful for the fact that you don't change. God, I pray that you'd just bless each and every person. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As we have a hymn of Invitation that's playing. If God's spoken to your heart, the altar's open.